This podcast is a production of the Johns Hopkins University Press. To learn more, please visit press.jhu.edu journals. Thank you for tuning in to this Johns Hopkins University Press podcast. My name is Brian Shea, and I am the Public Relations and Advertising Coordinator in the Journals Division. In a recent issue of the journal Narrative Inquiries and Bioethics, a pair of researchers at the University of Alabama, Birmingham, shared their study of physician religion and end-of-life pediatric care. The project took a look at how the religion and spirituality of physicians could influence communication with the parents of children at the end of life. Lori Brand Bateman, lead researcher of the paper, joined us to talk about the topic. Thank you for joining me today, Lori. Tell me, how did this research come about? Well, this current research emerged from a simulation study. We Basically, our team was using high-fidelity simulation to look at physician-parent communication about an end-of-life simulated patient. Mm -hmm. And so we had uh, physicians enter the room and they had a discussion with an actor parent about a child whose medical history clearly showed the child was at the end of life. Um, And so we were really looking at, you know, would the the physician rush in and intubate the child or have an end-of-life discussion with the parent. Um, And following each simulation, we had a debriefing interview, and I found it really interesting, some of the things that the physicians were saying in the interview. They talked a lot about kind of how their own personal stories were affecting really their perspectives on end-of-life care. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I really wanted to pursue the topic further, so I proposed the current research, which was an interview study. And so when that got approved, this actually became my dissertation research. 17 of the original 21 participants, physician participants, um, agreed to take part. And these were individual interviews that I had with each of the participants. And I basically just went in and asked them, how has your background influenced the way you care for dying children and their families? And really from the first interviews that I had, one of the Uh, main things physicians talked about was their religious faith. And I just thought that really interesting. And so I ended up doing a second round of interviews and religion really became kind of a salient concept for me. Uh, Were you surprised that much of the previous research you talked about in the article that it had focused on the religious attitudes of parents and not the physicians? Well, not really. Um, I think because medical training stresses evidence evidence-based medicine, and really I think as a culture, we kind of think physicians are objective interpreters of data. Right. We don't really see them as, you know, their own stories or who they are and their biases, or at least we hope not, affecting their care. And so I think that's one reason why there hadn't been a lot of studies on physicians. The other thing is I think gaining access to physicians is difficult. It's hard to to get into um, this population, have them take time out of their busy schedules to participate in a study like this. And so I think that then also communication, basically parent-physician communication, has also been studied um, much more among parents than physicians. And I think some of the same reasons hold true on that as well. 
What did you learn going through this whole process from getting the idea to doing the research and then writing the paper? What, what kind of surprised you and, and maybe came up that you weren't expecting? Well, I think I was just really surprised basically about how much these participants' faith influenced their approach from their perspective. I, I only studied their perspective. Um, and I was also really um, surprised, I think, about how much they talked about it and how much they wanted to talk about it. I mean, it, it didn't take really much prying from me at all. You know, we found that 70% of our participants were either what we called religiously rich communicators mm-hmm. or respondents or moderately religiously rich responders. And so, and that was pretty high, but um, basically studies done across the country show that about, you know, kind of in that same range of physicians do practice faith, some kind of a faith perspective. And so just that that main thing was, was surprising to me. Some other things that I found really interesting, I think, besides just the fact that they talked about how their faith did affect their practice and the way they communicated, was that, you know, although they said, many of them said that religion was really important to them, and I actually use religion and spirituality interchangeably, mm-hmm. and my in, in my question, I kind of said both, but the answers I got back were really kind of couched in religious language. But, you know, even though they said that their kind of faith affected their practice, they they felt strongly that nobody knew this, that their colleagues wouldn't know that's the reason they did certain things. But it's interesting because especially the colleagues who weren't as religious or who said they, they really practiced no faith, they came back and said, oh, no, I can tell, you know, these religious people, I mean, one, one uh, participant actually called them hyper-religious. These hyper-religious mm-hmm. physicians act differently, or they talked about in their training how they could tell that, you know, these um, kind of religious physicians acted differently or practiced differently than others, um, especially when it came to end-of-life care. I just found it interesting that the kind of the religious physicians felt that their colleagues couldn't tell that the way they practice was based on their religion, but then some of their colleagues said that they could tell that, of course, not not talking about specific individuals, but just in general. So, you know, I thought that was interesting. Some of the other things I, I thought was interesting was whether physicians were religious or not, they all seem to value um, the importance of faith for parents of children who are at the end of life. You know, even those who weren't religious themselves felt that, these parents will only benefit from kind of capitalizing on their own faith, if that makes sense. Right. And they didn't want to do anything to harm their patient's faith, and, you know, they would freely refer them to chaplains if necessary, um, or if they didn't feel like they could kind of talk in that religious language. And for those physicians who were religious, most of them felt very comfortable using that religious language with their patients and their patients' families, and they had certain ways that they talked about they went about kind of feeling out if the patients' families were religious or not. And so they, they listened for certain triggers and words, and once they heard those words, then they felt comfortable, you know, sort of using religious language um, with those families. One or two of the non-religious physicians felt that or, or mentioned times that they heard some 
you know, other their colleagues talking to physicians, to I mean, excuse me, to patients and patients' families, feeling that that maybe they had overstepped, maybe used you know too much religious language in the conversations. But most of uh, the non-religious physicians felt like it was probably a benefit to those families for them to have physicians who were talking about their faith. They talked about the importance of really talking with, you know, kind of using faith, faith-filled language to uphold hope for their patients. And so hope was really important. And even, of course, the non-religious physicians felt like hope was really, really important for these families um, and patients. But they also felt that hope should be balanced by realism yeah. and you know, truthfulness was also important. Um, in terms of prayer, the religious physicians, a lot of them talked about how they prayed for their fam- for their patients and with their patients and the families. Um, and even those um, in the non kind of the non-religious group, they felt like you know they they would bow their heads if if prayer was going on, of course, just to participate. And I, I guess one last thing I'd like to say that I think was really important is I found that. One of the most important things that faith did for these physicians was to help them cope because, you know, it's difficult even as a physician to have your patients die, especially to watch children die. Um, even though they deal with it fairly regularly, it's, it's a hard thing to deal with. Mm-hmm. And so those who were religious talked about how they use their faith to help them cope with losing their patients. So I think that was that was really interesting. And they basically said they their cope their faith helped them cope in three different ways. Um, it enabled them to kind of feel like they had done all they can for their patients. And um, actually a couple of them said that they their faith um, kind of encouraged them to believe that of course, the ones that held this belief is that since that these were, patients were children, that when they died, they would be in heaven. Um, and then finally, just providing that comfort in the midst of the pain right. um, through their pay, their faith was was helpful to them. What made Marriage of Inquiries a good place for this research? How did you how did you come to that decision and that process? Well, I was attending. Um, an American Society for Bioethics and Humanities meeting, and the journal was being publicized because it's a new journal, I understand. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I kind of I looked at it, and it, I mean, it, it it drew me to me because I was studying physician narratives at the time. And then when I sort of explored the journal more, it really seemed like such a good fit because, you know, you know, all of the articles, um, first of all, they're qualitative articles and the word limit is very generous, which qualitative researchers really appreciate. <laughs> and all of the articles were interesting. And, and plus, I think it's just interesting that they appreciate kind of exploring bioethics from the perspective of patients themselves and healthcare providers themselves. Um, so it just seemed like a good fit. And lastly, you've talked about this a little bit, but you talk about physicians having a hard time being objective because they're human and they, they have to deal with all this stuff. How important is it for people to keep that in mind during any discussion like this on both how physicians treat patients and how parents approach physicians? How important is that humanity and this kind of research bringing that out? Well, first of all, I think it's clear that none of us are completely free of bias. We just can't be. Um, and I know that there is a a lot of research on physician bias and ways that it can be very negative. But I think it's also important to realize that bias isn't always a bad thing, that if 
physicians, for example, can be taught to recognize their bias um, and keep it in check, it can probably be beneficial. For example, you know, if physicians share the same faith perspective as their patients and patients' families, this can be extremely beneficial, especially going through this emotional experience that, you know, is just par for the course in end-of-life care. Um, and so that can be beneficial and helpful to the patient. But but those same physicians have to understand that if they're treating other patients and families who don't share their faith perspective, that they need to be careful not to impose their faith on those people. Um, so it can be beneficial, but it can also be negative. Uh, the importance, I think, is training to understand um, one's own bias and how it affects their practice. Right, and this kind of research can only help that training to surface these issues. Yes, I hope so. <laughs> well, Lori, thank you very much for joining me. This is such a great conversation, I think, for everyone to have, and we appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this Johns Hopkins University Press podcast. Please visit press.jhu.edu slash journals for more information.